0: you don't need a logo. And someone's like, yes, I do. And I go, no, you don't. You're just trying to cover up insecurities. They'd probably look at me and go, no, I'm not. But in reality, you're probably 100% right there. What do you mean by that?
1: I mean, exactly that. I think some people do it through drugs or alcohol or they're trying to escape. They're trying to escape. Uh, The term for it is delusion.
0: You are now entering a new paradigm.
1: So here is my issue.
0: I wanted to find the answers to life's biggest questions. Things like, how do I become happy and live with purpose? How do I make more money doing what I love? And what does it mean to be truly successful in all areas of life? what's up guys? Welcome back to another episode of Think Different Theory. My name is Josh Forty and I tell you the last couple weeks have been pretty insane. Um, The coronavirus has taken over the world, has shut down everything. We're in the middle of the Traffic Secrets launch right now and my next guest here today is someone that hopefully is going to help a lot of you newer people, the people out there that are getting started into business kind of Make that leap and really understand what it takes to get started. One of the things that I've tried to do over the course of the past couple of weeks, especially with the coronavirus coming in, is give you guys trainings on how to react to this. Because I did a post on Instagram. Uh, I do a lot of Instagram stories every single day. I answer you guys' questions. I do ask me anythings all the time. And one of the things that I said on there is it's incredibly important to understand who you're listening to right now and understand like that you only need like you can only listen to people that are operating from power and not from fear because if you're listening to people that are operating from fear and you're taking advice from them the advice you 're getting comes from a place of fear you 're going to operate out of fear and everything crumbles and collapses when you operate out of fear and scarcity mindset whereas if you come in this with a a mindset that says no like I have the power to change my life I have the power to make decisions I have the power to to react or act upon my situation and not react and not be a victim then that 's when you 're actually going to go be able to go out and produce results and so um, i I like to bring on different people because I think it gives a new perspective and I can only, I mean, I can tell my story a million times. I can give you all my trainings and everything like that, but some people just learn differently from different people. And so we've been trying to bring that type of person on here. So my next guest uh, is someone that, was probably in a situation that most of us were in for a long time. He struggled to get things going, shiny object syndrome jumped from thing to thing to thing, and kind of like analysis by paralysis, didn't didn't know what to do because he just didn't choose. And he spent over $200,000 on trainings and softwares and the next hack. And then he finally was like, you know what? This is all dumb. I should just go out and start doing something. And he says he quote cracked the code, which we all know is just a fancy marketing term to say he took action and finally did something with his life. But we all come to that point. And I brought him on here to share his story to help inspire you guys and teach you guys about like what you need to do to actually like just stop learning and start actually doing. We're going to have a great conversation. I'm going to get to know him a little bit better. Mr. Mike Young, thank you so much for coming on Think Different Theory. I appreciate your time, man.
1: Josh, uh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Let's start with the
0: uh I don't know if the elephant in the room is the right word, but the the buzz of it all coronavirus
1: dude It's
0: insane you no know, it's
1: it's so interesting man it's uh it's it's definitely it's one of those things that I think I think for a couple of days i I took it a little bit glib, you know, and just was like, ah, oh, it's not that big a deal, and it's the flu and whatever and and next thing you know, Italy shut down, Spain <laughs> shut down. Uh, my kids are home from school, I have two kids, and so. Uh, it's really impacting everybody it's impacting everybody globally um, but my advice is the same it's like the calmest person in the room usually wins and you just have to kind of remain calm and and i, I feel thankful today honestly man it's like after 15 years as an entrepreneur um it's it's all about what's the obstacle i've got to solve and what do, how am i going to prioritize my day and what do i need to solve first yeah and so this is just another obstacle to me
0: Yeah, for sure. Have you noticed any like impact directly to sales or engagement or like what impacts, if any, have you noticed in any parts of your business from it?
1: Yeah. You know, I've, I've noticed, first of all, I've, I had to, I've had to readjust my schedule because my kids are now home full time. They're home for at least a month. Uh,
0: Wow. Is that what they said is, is they're shutting them down?
1: They're home till April 8th. um, And then some of my friends and also people that I work fairly closely with, their kids are home all the way through April. And then wow. my graphic my graphic design team is actually in Serbia uh, and they just canceled school for the rest of the year. And so it's impacting us in that way where our kids are home. And so we're having to learn some slightly different routines and patterns to our schedule.
0: Yeah, I think that's super interesting. That's not something that I'm dealing with, obviously. Like, I don't have kids. Um, and so from a schedule standpoint, I always find it funny. That people were like, we're quarantined off. I was like, that's what I do every day. Like, I never you know, <laughs> I never leave the house, so it doesn't really impact me there. Um, you're in the online business space, though, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm the same. I didn't think it was going to impact me too much. But then now I'm seeing like, okay, they they're, they're talking about shutting all restaurants and bars down in Washington and Oregon. And, and so then I immediately connect the dots to one or two family members and that's impacting their income. That's impacting their livelihood. So it it definitely is having, you know, the trickle down effect of impacting everybody.
0: Yeah. It's, um, I was at Applebee's last Saturday, um, 9 PM on a Saturday and there's two tables. Like that's (laughs) insane. You know what I mean? Like that, And and you look at that and I have a lot of friends in the. My girlfriend used to be the GM of a sports bar. Um, And we have a lot of friends in the in that space. And they're like, I mean, on a Saturday night, I made 30 bucks and I normally make 250. You know what I mean? Like, so it really, really is. But, you know, what's interesting is I almost feel I don't know what the word is. Definitely privileged and blessed um, Mm. because the online space. I mean, I think if anything, it's going to help us. You know, and I think that now, especially with quarantine, because like before, before in an economic thing, like even in 2008, we still had the internet, um, but like people still moved, right? Like so, people went out, there was no fear of travel, but now it's like people physically aren't moving. And I think that that's really playing an impact into the stores that, you know, and, and the restaurants and the businesses that are directly tied to physical movement. You know what I, I mean? Think
1: the, I think the other thing I'm seeing, man, is that there's so many businesses that that and I was there for a long time where you're teetering on the edge of destruction, right? You're just kind of fighting cash flow hurdles or day-to-day challenges. And so so many small businesses, at least in this first couple of days, they seem to almost be using it as a wake up call. Like maybe it is time I get my act in order a little bit. Maybe it's yeah. time I this thing more seriously. So I'm seeing massive opportunity right now because a lot more people are kind of raising their hand and saying, my online business has been on the brink for some time. Uh, maybe it's time I ask for some help and get serious about this thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Let's dive into that a little bit more with with that. Cause like, I feel like the online business space has been so easy for, mm-hmm. I mean, ever since I've been in it, right? Four years, five years. I mean, we've been in a bull market for so long. So while it's it's gotten significantly harder, I think, um, I think it's about to get real hard, but I think it's about to blow up for the people that know what they're doing. So I kind of want to actually back up into your story a little bit here, because I think a lot of people can relate to where you were. And I think a Mm -hmm. lot of people right now that are being probably the most impacted by it, are that that were teetering like you said with that online business beforehand um they are like i've watched the russell brunson stuff right i've read the traffic secrets book or the dot-com secrets book now traffic Secrets is finally out right the the dot-com secrets book i've got click funnels i've you know seen the dan henry's i've listened to all the woohoo stories but they since it hasn't their back hasn't been against a wall. They haven't Mm. made the decision. So what, what did you go through? Cause I know you have an interesting backstory and I don't think you, I mean, there's no no other coronavirus that, you know, (laughs) met the whole world, but maybe you went through something similar to maybe you had that back against the wall moment. Like what, what's your backstory and how did you get to the point of like, okay, I've got to actually go in and, and take the leap and take myself seriously here.
1: Yeah, you know, I I ran a mortgage company up until two thousand eight. We we started with six people, grew it to two hundred and fifty and ten offices, um, and so I I grew this really large company. Um, I found myself not really enjoying it because it was massively complex. I was getting a couple hundred emails a day. I had a lot of people uh, coming in my office, um, and our our mortgage company crashed in the in the crash of two thousand eight, and. I found myself sitting in an office saying, I'm going to rebuild it. I'm going to I'm going to learn the online game, uh, be an entrepreneur, a small team, lots of money, you know, kind of the dream we all hope for, right? It's like, I want automated money with a small team and less complexity because I really wanted to spend time with my family, friends, and travel the world. Yeah. Um, and so I began, like a lot of people began, I began just... Googling things and learning, and I, I ran into Ryan Dice's original uh, million-dollar napkin landing page. It was a white landing page with just an email opt-in, no disclaimers or anything at the time. And uh, <laughs> and so I started. I started just consuming books and courses and online products, trying to figure out what am I going to do because I really had no plan. I didn't know which business I was going to go into. And so what happened for me was I began creating a business around almost any idea that I came up with in my head. Mm. Um, if well, it was, a business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. Um, or trying to start a business around any idea in my head. Right. And and so it was uh, maybe it's an online uh, automated email for real estate agents, or maybe it's a sales coaching company, and from 2008 to 2014 really, I tried 50 different things. Wow. Were you successful in any of them? Three. Three, three out of the 50 uh, did pretty well. Um, 47 of them flopped and so I became, I, w- I wouldn't say addicted, but I became very curious and fascinated by why did this one work and why did all these others fail? Um, I also had created a lot of logos and branding and websites because I tried so many things. So at the same time, I fell in love with kind of the, the branding process of it all. And I had a design team. I also became fascinated with why did these three work and why did these 47 fail? Mm. Um, and in 2015, my business partner at the time decided to take a, a consulting gig. And he said, I'm going to go do this thing. And I said, great, if you're going to do that, I think it's kind of finally time to put myself back out there with my own business, my own thing, um, and that was 2015. And I think the story that I, I like to tell people and that I that I relate to clients so well is between 2008 and 2015, I was deeply afraid to put myself back out in the marketplace and be the face of the company uh, because the previous company failed so miserably. I went from liquid millionaire to $200,000 in debt in less than six months. Wow. And I had a lot of shame and mindset issues. And this was in,
0: that. sorry, this was in 2008 when that happened? That was in 2008, yeah. yeah.
1: And so, so that period of time for me was, it was almost, is I think it was better than doing heroin, uh, but it was a creative, <laughs> it was a creative addiction to mask the sense that I really didn't want to put myself as the face of the company and put myself out in the marketplace.
0: How did you go and get customers Mm. for 50 different companies? I mean, I I know 47 of them failed because one of the things that I think is interesting is Mm. I've always been the face of my company. Now I've only been in entrepreneurship for four years, maybe five, but really four. Right. And It's funny because, like, I've never paid for customer acquisition. Mm -hmm. And the way that I've done that is essentially since day one, at least since day one of actually having any form of success, I've always had an audience of some sort. And this is why like I preach audiences so much, like audience hacking and the frameworks that we teach, whether it's Instagram or Facebook or an email list, like you've got to have some form because that's how I've always gone out and done it, right? And so I'm like, if you've got an audience, you basically have a bank account on demand. You're just figuring out how to withdraw the money, right? Like that's, that's essentially all you're doing. But I see a lot of people and I, whether it was Steve Larson or I hear people like you, that have gone and they're like, yeah, I tried 30 different times, 50 different times. I tried all these different things. I'm like, how did you even go and get people to buy? Like, were you paying for ads or how did you go and how'd you get customers? Yeah. Uh,
1: for me, I was, I was smart. I was really smart because between 2001 and 2008, I was always learning about team building and and studying guys like uh, John Maxwell and mm. Pat Lynchioni and, and different guys about how to grow my mortgage company. So I was. I was dealing with that, but I, I knew that I needed to stay in my strengths and surround myself with people that were strong in my weaknesses. So uh, when I first started, I partnered with uh, a very good friend, and he was a masterful salesperson, and he was a connector, and he was a great networker. And so he was the sales engine, and I was support for so long. And mm. uh, so during that time, I, I look back now, and I'm I'm grateful for that time because I I learned how to use computers. I learned how to build websites. I learned how, I learned all the kind of behind the scenes technical stuff. Um, and he just got to go build relationships and sell stuff. And I just had to fulfill on it. So
0: you got yours primarily through partnerships.
1: I did in, in during that time, he would he would create an idea or a thing and, and he'd go sell it through, mostly in the mortgage, real estate, title and escrow space during the time. Because that's where all his his connections were and his networking was. Um, so he would just go say, hey, we've got this thing. Um, it's for loan officers that want to do X, Y, Z. And then I would build it and we'd fulfill on whatever we sold. And a lot of it was coaching. He sold a lot of coaching, consulting, um, and and sales trainings. Um, and then we would always mix in some component of either technology or branding into our offers. Mm. And I was the guy that had to figure out the the tech behind it.
0: And what, when was that period from? That was
1: 2008 to 15, really.
0: Okay, so that pretty much that entire time frame, you had somebody that you had partnered with more or less throughout that time frame.
1: And that's, that's where the majority of my personal investment came into these courses and stuff. Somewhere along 2013-ish, we st- I was taking almost 100% of my income because we had, we had one company that was doing fairly well. So I was making a couple hundred grand a year, I was taking most of my income because my bills were still really low and going, I was going to lead pages, conferences and Infusionsoft soft and, and uh, click funnels. And I was just, I was consuming all these courses and knowledge products with my, with my income. Um, and that's where the majority of the 200 K that I spent uh, was because I had a steady income coming in. So a lot of people ask me like, how did you spend 200 grand? Well, one, I was, I was deathly afraid to put myself out there and actually choose, like you said, and do something. Uh, And the second was I had a steady income coming in from one of the businesses that did really well.
0: One of the things I think is interesting that you said here though, and and I want to get to the part where we talk about the fear of putting your face out there, because I think that's a big fear for a lot of people. But before I get there is how you got customers during this time, because Mm. I I don't think there's a right or a wrong way to get customers, right? Um, And I think that everybody is looking for, you know, Traffic Secrets, which guys, by the way, if you don't have your copy of Traffic Secrets, the link will be down below, josh40.com slash Traffic Secrets. You can get your copy. We have over $10,000 in bonuses, a little shameless plug there. But one of the things that, you know, like for me, like each person has their own way that they went and did things. And I think that some people are looking for the way rather than looking for a way. And like you went and you had a business partner that went and did it the whole time. I went and built an audience. Dan Henry went and did paid traffic, right? And somebody else went and did JV deals and somebody else went and, you know, they were the person that built relationships, right? So there's all these different ways to go about doing it. And I think yeah. that that's actually part of the issue for why people don't go and get started,
1: right? 100%. I, th- I think like what I'm passionate most about right now is really a couple of of big problems that I see in the marketplace. But one of them is, Knowledge over accumulation, and and so what happens is you can do door to door sales, you could you could mail out flyers. People forget that they're still a like mail, direct. yeah. <laughs>
0: you
1: know, like you can do it a million different ways. The problem was I was learning every way, and so it ended up creating almost like this internal confusion loop, where I was the more I learned, the more I began uh, to get confused on which way was right for me. And that's, I think that's really what it comes down to when I work with clients. It's like, there's a million ways to play this game. What way is in the most alignment with you that you're going to always have energy and feel good about executing on every day?
0: I think that's super important. I love what you just said there about what way is most alignment with you. And I think that part of the reason a lot of entrepreneurs fail is because of that is they don't actually know who they are. They don't know what they're looking for. They don't know what is most in alignment with them. Um, you know, there's people out there Russell Brunson, for example, right I love the dude he is you know on my dream 100 changed my life for sure Russell Brunson is a publish 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 dude right publish content more more Gary Vaynerchuk, same way more content more content more content and while that is awesome and that is the route that I have chosen to go with my business, that is not the only way to go and get that I mean I look yep. at I look at Sam ovens who's like the polar opposite he's like release one video, make it perfect, run ads to it and like, you know, leave it. And there's no, hardly any publishing, right? And yep. you look at that and you go, okay, so if you're a shy introvert that wants to build a hundred million dollar company that doesn't want to be famous, that wants no one to know your name, that doesn't care about the story, following a Russell Brunson would be a terrible 100%. idea, right? You know, but like so many people get caught up in being like, well, Russell said...
1: And, and, and so I'm more like Sam ovens. Like I don't have a lot of followers. I don't have a big, you know, like I don't want that. It's and and I think I was, uh, somewhere around 2017, I was, I was completely like, I almost shocked myself that, Oh, I actually don't need very many people. You know, if you've read, uh, Kevin Kelly's thousand true fans, Yes. you don't actually need that many people to create kind of a business of, of your dreams really. And, and it, it wasn't, I mean, my audience was next to nothing. I just took care of the people I was working with. And you don't need, you know, you don't need to buy followers. You don't need a huge audience if you're not wired that way. And and so I think that's that's very true. It doesn't make any sense to build a strategy with a $5,000 a month ad spend if you're struggling on just figuring out your business model. And like you said, clarity, like that's the, that's the biggest disease I see people suffer from is, is the lack of actual clarity on what they want. And if you can answer that question and and really know who you are, um, that's when things began to shift for me was I started studying myself. I was always always looking outward at what's the answer here. And it was only when I turned the focus inward that things began to shift for me because I began to realize I had some, some shame issues, some psychological issues from previous failures. And then I could actually work on myself and start pouring from an empty or from a full cup, as they say, you know,
0: for sure, for sure. I think that's interesting. And I want to, I want to um, go into what, how, like where you began now, cause you have a pretty successful business now, right? So you've yep. got, you've got that is going well. You went from this person that tried 50 different things, three of them worked, 47 of them didn't jump from thing to thing to thing, go $200,000 oh. and, you know, spending and you're looking around like, why can't I figure it out? I think a lot of people can relate to that. Um, going through the process of there to actually like, what are the steps that you took to go through and actually begin and decide what you were going to do? I I, I want to focus there, but really quickly, I want I want to back up and just like kind of tell a story for context here about what yeah, you just, just did. So you know Steve Larson, yeah, yeah. Okay, so one of the most interesting things that I saw Steve Larson do. Now Steve Larson's a very good friend of mine. Um. Mm-hmm. Steve Larson used to work for ClickFunnels. For those of you guys that don't know, he was Russell Brunson's lead funnel builder. And I'm quite sure that probably everybody on this podcast has heard of the term the value ladder at some point, right? There's the value ladder in your business. And essentially there's like three core pieces to the value ladder. There's your products that are for customer acquisition. These are your freebies, your upsells, you know, your offset, your costs. There's your core offer, right? Which is kind of what runs your business. This is what Steve refers to as what pays for the systems and then there's your high ticket offer which is your highest level of the value ladder which is your you know your your high ticket offers these are your real money makers this is the money where you your bonus is from where you pay yourself from where you really scale your business from like that's the, the process of this value ladder right and where most people start is they'll start at the beginning right they'll start with the lowest ticket offer right and they'll start with the $97 products just to kind of validate things, or whatever. And then they don't make a bunch of money. And then they'll add a, a core offer, that $9.97 or $19.97. And they'll go and they'll make a decent number, you know, decent amount of change. They'll have a couple hundred thousand dollars a year business pretty quickly. And that's how everybody, if you talk to a large majority of the people in the ClickFunnels space, a large majority in the people in the business space, mind you, they would tell you to probably either start with the lower ticket or the middle and then, you know, like do it. Steve came in, and this is almost what gave me permission to go out and be different in the way that I do it. Mm. Steve came into this industry and he looked at it and he goes, this is a big problem. He, his first product out to the ClickFunnels market. I mean, he had some products in the MLM space and stuff like that to kind of fund some things, but his first thing was a $25,000 offer, like the highest, highest one. That's where he started because he knew that that was a Thing. And he went against a lot of traditional wisdom, a lot of what everybody else out there was saying, which was go low ticket, validate it, start with your core offer. He was like highest boom right away. And he made $5 million in two years. And I think that that right there, that process of just, I see a problem, I'm picking it and I'm going to do it. And if it fails, great. But this is what I'm going to go and go and do. When you go and do that, it is so refreshing because you give yourself, once you've decided that you're going to do it different than everything else that you do, if it's weird, you're like, I'm already here. I'm already weird. Right. But so many people, I feel like they get caught in this trap of like, well, I have to do it how everybody else is doing it. Or I have to follow this, this tried and true proven path or else I'm going to fail. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think it's interesting because, because I look at my own path and that's kind of the, I struggled for years. I was selling like $97 logos and stuff and, and it was never generating enough cash flow. So I always felt like I, I refer to it as the, the drunk monkey with Alzheimer punching you in the side of the head, and it was like my cash flow was never solid enough to where I could just focus on the customers and the business. So things never really took off because I was trying to sell these ninety-seven-dollar things. And the the flip for me was when I went, I actually flipped it. Um, well, a couple of things flipped it for me. Number one is I finally got to the place where I was in enough pain that I asked for help. And mm. I and I and I wish that I had asked for help sooner, but I also don't discount my, my journey, my path. And I just, I'm, I'm grateful for the time that I spent because I can help people in so many ways now with their mindset and with some other things that I went through. But that being said, if I had asked for help from somebody who'd already done what I was trying to do, I would have learned in, well, I I did. Once I asked for help, I learned in 18 months what was taking me the previous decade. And so, so it's like, I I was just too prideful. Maybe I don't think it was ego, but I think it was too much pride to, to just stop and say, I don't know what I'm doing. It's not working. I need some help. Because once I did that, all of a sudden about 12 people kind of raised their hand and say, Hey, I've been there before. I'd, I'd be glad to help you. Um, and a couple of them I paid and, and said, will you help me directly? One of them was a mindset, uh, coach and one of them was a direct help with copywriting, marketing, advertising. And, and once I got the help I needed, all of that other learning kind of clicked into place for me and I was able to pick my path and, and from picking your path, things begin to take off. How
0: did you decide what you were going to do?
1: Mostly it was a combination of what gave me energy and also how I'm naturally wired. I think we're all, all kind of hardwired a certain way from the, from the get go. I always was the guy that liked helping people. I liked, I liked mentoring and showing like even in elementary school, new kids came into school. I was one of the kids that would show them around the school and introduce them to people. And, and so I, I picked that because I liked coaching and mentoring. I liked sharing knowledge with people. So I, I like the strategy aspect. Um, and then And then I really liked my graphic design team because of the the branding process that we went through. So I was trying to combine all the elements that made me feel good. And then then chose a specific problem in the marketplace to solve. And and the problem I chose to solve was was businesses that are just starting out that aren't working yet. um, Let's let's help get them working before we worry about the branding crap and making them pretty. Because so many people, including myself, they go and they make all this stuff pretty. They, they worry about their colors and their fonts. And again, I think a lot of that was some form of masking this internal fear of just just creating a real business and running the damn thing.
0: Let's talk about that. Masking this internal fear. I think that's mm. way more powerful than people realize. What mm. do you mean by that? And, and I mean, because if I were to be like, you don't need a logo and someone's like, yes, I do. And I go, no, you don't. You're just trying to cover up insecurities. They'd probably look at me and go, no, I'm not. But in reality, you're probably a hundred percent right there. What do you mean by that?
1: I mean, exactly that. I think some people do it through drugs or alcohol or they, they try and escape. They're trying to escape. Uh, the term for it is delusion. You know, they don't want to actually look. And so a lot of businesses, you say, my business isn't working. I can't figure out why. Okay. Well, how many people uh, found out about you today? How many people took a first step, whether that's a lead magnet or hit your website or whatever? Um, how many people hopped on a sales call? How many sales did you have? And when you look at most businesses that that are working so hard, their numbers are like zero, 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 and zero. And so you're not actually running a business if you're not if you're not attracting leads and creating sales calls and selling something. It's not a real business. And so. All this other crap is avoiding is is a a creative way to avoid looking at the real numbers, which is you don't have enough customers and sales to even call it a real business yet. So I'd rather just deal with the colors on my website. I'd rather deal with uh, consuming uh, ClickFunnels uh, software and and this book or whatever. All of that was an escapism to me. It was a form of I'm going to escape the current reality. And I just chose to do it through knowledge products.
0: So, Oh, I like that. Your, your drug was knowledge
1: products, some. And and booze. Like I drank a lot during that time. I was just like, I was deeply uncomfortable, you know, like I wanted my business to work so damn bad because I grew up in that, like a lot of people my age, you know, like I'm in my forties and it's like my job was to provide for my family and be the man and bring them the income and do all those things. And it wasn't working. So all I wanted to do was escape.
0: Um, I want to go practical here for a second, just real quick. Mm. I think part of the reason that people struggle with online business, and I like what you said about, Hey, they're not actually, you're not actually generating leads to getting on sales calls and things like that. A lot of people are like, well, they have this idea of a business like Walmart, Right. Mm-hmm. Does Walmart do advertising? Yes, but like most people go to Walmart and they just come, right? Because Walmart has their product, right? And so I think that a lot of people think that if they have a good product or that they know what they're doing or that they're, they're expert for some reason or whatever it is, that people are just going to come, right? And that mm-hmm. if you if people don't just come, then you don't have a good enough business because look at Walmart or look at Walgreens or look at Russell Brunson, people just go there right now. Like they just show up now and they forget everything that went into that. And they also forget that um, selling a $5,000 service is much different than selling a $3 bottle of applesauce, right? Yeah. In order to for Walmart to sell that $3 bottle of applesauce, they had to have 35,000 other products in that store. They had to go through all the branding, go through everything else, to whatever to get you in there. And yes, now you're buying that, but they, they don't realize kind of what it went into making that customer show up. Yeah. So you talk about how, hey, we're going to drown out our sorrows or we're going to you know, find the drug that's going to make us an excuse that we can go work on our website logo or our fonts or our colors. So what is, if you are in the online education, because you're in the online ed- education-based service-based now, yep. right? So if I am in the course, consulting, service, coaching industry, like a lot of the listeners here are, what are, I'm just getting started, right? Like I am- I, I know I, I'm confident that I have a product that I can sell. What is the bare minimum that I need up on my website before I can go and just start focusing on getting customers? Like what would you, you say? A,
1: you don't even need a website. And so, I mean, I think, I think one of the reasons I'm, I'm good at what I do now is one, I experienced a lot of failure and a lot of trying different things. So I kind of have perspective of all the different ways you can put things together. Yeah. But I, you, I'm really good at going back to the basics and just blocking and tackling. And so what is the problem that you solve in the marketplace and how do you solve it? And do you need a website to do that? No, you just need to talk to a real human that has the problem that you solve with your product or service and, and offer them help and say, would you like, would you like direct help with that? Or you want to try and figure it out on your own. And, and that's it. You have enough of those conversations. You're going to sell some stuff. So,
0: but, I want. I want to get really practical here. Okay, so let's yeah. get let's just super practical.
1: Yeah,
0: I am quarantined with the coronavirus, or I'm, <laughs> um, you know, like working from home or whatever. I'm not necessarily by my ideal customer. I don't get to yeah. just drive down the street and go to a bar and be like, "Hey, person sitting at the bar, you want to buy my online course?" Can I talk to you? Ask you some questions? That's not a thing, right? So. If I want to get on phone calls with somebody, if I want to learn about my audience, if I want to generate these sales calls, what are some practical ways that I can go about doing that? Either A, without a website or funnel, right? We're calling it here. Or B, what's the bare minimum funnel that I would need to set up in order to have those conversations?
1: Yeah, I think, um, I call it the spiral dynamics of your business image. And spiral dynamics just says it's an ever, it's a, it's an always evolving process. It's always growth. You're always going to be expanding. So uh, the few problems that I see consistently over and over again, number one is credibility issues. So people see your stuff and they don't believe you do what you say you do because mm. there's either not enough proof or your copy's all over the place or you're saying too many things. Second one is copy and offer. Uh, the third one is that the process or flow that leads go through. People are either skipping steps and and you know like people show up in your messenger and be like, hey Josh, nice to meet you. Would you like to buy my XYZ, so they're skipping steps in the normal human progression, um, or they're adding 112 steps when there only needs to be 10. And and the fourth one that I see it causes a lot of business problems is is uh, not understanding how to run a sales call, and so they're they're talking about products and features way too much and not just uh, digging into the problem and offering a solution. And so I think. It's it's an ever expanding process. So what I would do is I say spend the least amount of money in the beginning on branding, as possible, to get a, a website, a social media page up, um, kind of, and just get your messaging congruent. And then and then realize realize a couple things. One is this is this process never stops. There's never an end date. There's no magic end to the. You know the end of the rainbow there's no pot of gold so if the process never starts you have to start somewhere and then the second thing is realize that your website and your presence online is almost entirely for new prospects because if somebody's bought from you before they already they're in your audience they know you they like you they trust you they know where to find you again they know where mm. to buy from you again so you have to build your presence so that people have a a very clear starting place of where to start a new relationship with you and your messaging messaging needs to be deadly consistent. That's actually
0: really interesting. I've never thought of it that way before of designing. I mean like understanding that you're designing a website for new customers only. Well, not only, but like primarily, especially
1: in the beginning. Um, Because I, I view it like a, uh, you know, slot machines, the old school slot machines, the the three things and you can't see what's gonna land on and then it lands on a seven or a bell or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You no, know, attention is the asset that we're all craving these days, but there's a billion channels online. Every everybody online is is a brand. A personal brand is kind of the buzzword these days. Right. But you have a brand whether you're you're controlling it or not. But if your slot machine is moving like mine was, I was hopping around from idea to idea and I was hopping around from message to message. It's like the slot machine never stops. So you can't you can't gain the attention of a new prospect because they don't even know what you stand for because you're moving around too much. And so you you, have to,
0: you can't even see what you stand for if you're not exactly, stopping. Exactly, right? Mm,
1: yeah. So So once you can stop and say, I'm a seven or I'm a bell or whatever it is, then you have a, a fighting chance yeah. of attracting an eyeball on you that says, I understand what this guy does or this gal does. And and so you have to first, you have to stop. Second, you've got to build it and kind of put something up. And I, I wasted a lot of money on websites and branding and stuff before I'd ever proven the business model. Just go get the bare minimums up and then sell, you know, 100 of them. And then once you've kind of proven the business model and you you really have settled in, you know, you've kind of planted your feet in the sand, then you can make it pretty. Then you can really start to get very creative with funnels and traffic and all this stuff. But, and again, with traffic, you know, you talk about traffic secrets and stuff. A lot of traffic to a broken business model just gets more eyeballs that you don't know what the hell you're doing. Yeah. And that was that was also me for a while. I was getting all these eyeballs On a business that was confusing. It was ugly. It was non-existent in certain places. And it just got more eyeballs on the fact that I had a very unsuccessful business.
0: Yeah, that's really important. And I think one of the things that I've learned, I remember my, I think it was my first coach ever. He's like, Josh, making money is easy. And I was like, you know, make 2,000 bucks a month at this point, you know, paycheck to paycheck diet. I'm like, what do you mean it's easy? He's like, making money is so easy, right? There's so many other, you know, pieces that you have to fulfill. I feel like a lot of these things are very easy. Making money, pretty darn easy once you know how to do it. Getting eyeballs to a landing page, getting exposure, pretty darn easy once you know how to do it right like people think it's hard but like audience yeah. hacking is pretty simple building a funnel steve larson's like once you got it you got it right uh, yeah. i remember the story that he said like when he quit click funnels and was like oh my gosh i'm going out on, on my own like i'm going to go try to get a two comic club award russell's last words to him were it's it's a lot easier than you think it is, right? And so like once you figure it out, it's super, super easy. It's just doing one thing at a time and then figuring out how to put all the pieces together. I think that's where the confusion is. And one of the things, I can't remember who said this. I want to say it was Sam Ovens. It sounds like a very Sam Ovens thing to say, but I, I can't ver- validate that this was him. But um, they said, because I asked him the question of, when do you start focusing on other things in your business besides generating sales? and they said, when you can afford to pay somebody else to do it. And I was like, Mm. interesting. And I was like, so I can start focusing on that once I can afford to pay someone. And he was like, no, you can't do it. You cannot start focusing on it when you can pay someone else. Somebody else can focus on it when you can afford to pay them to do it. But you need to be focusing on cash flow generating activities until you can literally have this entire, like somebody else basically should build your business. Right. Because yeah. if you're if you're building, if you're the one doing everything, your it's gonna be your eyeballs and it's gonna be your roadblocks and it's gonna be you relearning all those things. Where if you just gotta get at one thing generating cash, and then you build that cash will up, 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 up. And now I've made a hundred thousand dollars and I've paid myself twenty five thousand of it and I pay my twenty five thousand in taxes or whatever it is. Now I've got 30, 40, 50 grand to go build my business, pay somebody else, and then I've got these systems in place. And I'm curious yeah. to know how you went and, and scaled to where you're at today, because one of the biggest, or I don't know, biggest, best things that I did was get out of being involved in the tasks that my, my employees do. What my, yeah, my and I think, I ahead. think
1: one of the, the probably the best books that I've read in a long time on that specific, it was, it was clockwork by Mike Michalowicz. It's a great book. Um, just, you've got to design the business and that's your role is to design the business, not to do the work. And, And I think uh, the process was long for me. It was, I think I made it a little bit more complex because I did have a design component and I had client communications and a deliverable. So we had to also figure that stuff out along the way, but it is as simple as one step at a time. You got to figure out each step and then just move through that progression until you get to the place where you can start to have it. It's like McDonald's, right? It's like the fries got to go in the thing, any human can do that activity. You've got to build systems and repeatable systems so that the the human being can be interchangeable in your process. And I I think I I got one of the other problems I like to solve is what I call the business opportunity seeking virus, which I had for a long time. (laughs) But it was, it was the fact that I kept watching these damn videos and, and I would see how simple it actually is. I would see, Uh, Russell Brunson with Mike Dillard. And it was like, all it is, is these five simple steps to our funnel. And, and so I would see how simple it was. And yet I was broke and yet I was struggling and yet I was frustrated. And so I was, I was getting pissed off. And what happens is you end up buying stuff and you end up wearing 10 X hats and click funnels, t-shirts and all this crap, because you desperately want what those people have. What Russell has, what Gary Vee has, what Grant Cardone has, they have confidence, they have clarity, they have a message that's consistent in the marketplace. Yeah. And you want that so badly for yourself, you end up wearing their t-shirts and hats as you try and sort yourself out. And so I want to like wake my clients up to say, you don't need all that crap. You need to block and tackle and go back to the basics a lot of times.
0: And I think, I think we... Often, because Russell and these marketers do such a good job of making it so simple, it's like we look at it and our brain goes, that's pretty simple.
1: Let me see how complex I can make it. Exactly. Right. It's (laughs) got to be harder than that. And, 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 and Russell does a really good, like people don't even know, right? Russell's a gangster and and he's just like, and he makes it seem like, oh, I got this little, I'm a, I'm a nice, like, you know, I got this potato gun and I'm just kind of this farm guy and you know, whatever. And then he's a marketing gangster is what he is. So he makes it even look easier than it actually is a lot of times. And it, and for me anyway. I kept seeing how other people and social media exacerbated that problem for me. Everybody online looked like they were happy and successful and having fun. Meanwhile, I'm like huddled in the fetal position on my couch, crying my eyes out because my business isn't working. And so I, I deeply relate to people that are in that stage because I was there for so long. And and the, the thing I repeat over and over again is, is step one is get clear on what you want. Step two, find somebody that's already done it and ask for help you know, or, or work for free or surround yourself with them, whatever you need to do, surround yourself with people that know what the hell they're doing. And that kind of comes back to how you started the podcast, which is stop listening to people that are giving away their power and destroying their energy. Uh, because you're just listening to people that don't actually have control of their own environment, their own situation. And why would you ever want to listen to somebody that has no self-control over themselves?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's really big. And I think it's it's cool and interesting that you bring up the fact it's like we've all been laying in the fetal position on the couch crying our eyes out. You know what I mean? And I think that a lot of people they they like think that they're special because they're the ones doing that. They're like, Look, Russell Brunson's has never been laying on the couch trying to figure it out." Yes. Yeah, he, yes, has. he has. Yeah, he has. And so is every other other, you know, other person out there. And it's, um, I feel like we almost get addicted to trying new things. Like, like, like it's part of, you hear the stories of like, Steve Larson tried 37 different things. I've only tried seven. I've got 30 more. I can try before I'm going to go be successful. And it's like, no, you yeah. just pick one, you know?
1: Yeah. The, the key is how, mm. how, how few things can I try before I settled into my zone? Right. And yeah. And I think my, my story too, You you asked earlier, like when when was the the kind of the clicking point or people always want to know like what was the thing the one thing well for me it was a combination of i got into a lot of pain personally um where it wasn't working and the second thing was my my brother-in-law took his own life and it was it was one of those moments that everything kind of clicked and i realized i got one life on this planet when am i going to stop beating myself up over something that happened in 2008 it was 2015 for God's sakes. It was it was seven or eight years that I was I was basically focused on the past instead of just focused on the future.
0: Yeah. Do you think people are scared of success?
1: I think I think people are scared. Just scared <laughs> in, general. in general. I mean, you see it in the coronavirus, right? You see how quickly People are going into panic mode or fight or flight, and it's it's bringing up these things that are hardwired in our brains. You know, our biology. We are we are scared, vulnerable creatures, and we know it. Um, we don't want to admit that at any moment a rock could hit us. You know, and 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 this whole thing. We don't want to admit that you know getting hit by a car would just end it very quickly, and so we do a lot of things to not think about the reality of the situation, which is we're all going to die
0: yeah i think i think um other people's perception about i, I, I want to go back to one of the things that you said there the more eyeballs mm. you have on a broken website is the more people that know you don't know what you're doing <laughs> yeah right which is which is a really fascinating concept because it, what social media has almost done is it's like uh i feel like people see these influencers and the people with all the followers and they think, okay, here's how this works. I'm going to go, I'm going to make some cool content. I'm going to get a hundred thousand followers and then I'm going to sell them a product. And then they go and they're like, and if that would be the case, that product has to be perfect because I've got a hundred thousand people looking at me and all the traffic is going to be there. And it's going to be amazing. So this has got to be perfect. So I'm not going to launch. And they go through this whole entire process and I think they forget, oh wait, I don't actually have a hundred thousand followers. Right. And in their head, it's like, well, this is how it's supposed to be because they see all these other people with followers. And I think there's a fundamental difference between an influencer based business and an actual business.
1: Right. Well, I mean, the, the word influencer, you know, that means you have influence, which means you're able to change people's perception and get them to take action on something. And so there's so many people, I think the difference between followers and influence is is wildly different. So yeah. people think, oh, I just get all these followers. Well, you can still have no influence with a lot of followers. And so this, this whole fake it till you make it or paying for followers thing, it just doesn't freaking work. Because you don't have trust. You don't have influence over your followers. And that, that's why I brought, brought up Kevin Kelly's article, "A 1,000 True Fans. You don't need more than a 1,000 people that truly follow you and listen to you to have a wildly successful business.
0: And you think about that, and Russell talks about that, and I think it's .com, maybe it's Expert Secrets too. But he talks about if you had a 1,000 true fans, and by true fans, he means someone that buys everything that will show up to your events will buy the limited edition will buy everything if you had that that would fundamentally change your life and change your business and i look at think different theory and, and me and then i look at people that have millions of followers on instagram now i'm not trying to say that i'm perfect or amazing or anything like that but we get for roughly on a weekly basis, our unique numbers of unique mm. listeners is just over a thousand. And it varies some weeks. It's, you know, a couple thousand some weeks it's, you know, six, six or seven or 800 depending upon the week. Right. But like unique listeners of different people that are listening to the podcast every single week, I think on the podcast total, since we started, we've had just over 20,000 different people listen to, mm. which is crazy. Awesome. Right. Like I could never have dreamed in a year and a half of being live, We'd have 20,000 20,000 different people listening, right? But then you have this girl who had, I think it was like 1.4, 1.6 million followers on social. This article came out probably like six or seven months ago. And she did this t-shirt launch. She has a million followers, over a million followers on Instagram. And she sold like eight shirts or something like that. And the, the, the minimum for it to like even happen was like 20. And she sold like eight or 16. Like she didn't even meet the minimum threshold to be able to go. And I'm like, if I were to drop an email out to my list of, you know, 10,000 people or whatever. Right. And, or the, my th- I could, I could talk about shirts on a podcast and sell more than that. That's yep. the difference between influence and followers right now. I'm not saying that I have massive influence or thing, you know, in that, but that's where we're headed. That's where we're going. But it's cause I'm focused on, and I've said this before on the podcast. I want to build loyal fans. I want to build people that are going to show up. I want to build people that are listening, not people that are following because of a number. And yeah, I think last, that's very, very last different.
1: Time, uh, when's the last time you or I saw a Tesla commercial? You just you, you can you can have you can have a business that's taken over the world and not even be running ads. I mean, there's a million ways to play the game.
0: And you look at I mean, that's a great point. Elon Musk. They don't have a marketing department at Tesla. I mean, think yeah. about that. They've spent zero zero dollars on on advertising, as far as that's concerned. All you got to do is hold a big conference and throw a rock through a window and have it accidentally <laughs> break. Exactly. And, yeah. And that'll go. Okay. For the person out there right now that is like. Mike, I, I just, I'm not really good at anything. Mm-hmm. I've got a lot of good ideas. I, you know, I'm, I'm maybe ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm a dot-com secrets book ahead of the average person, right? Mm-hmm. I have, I know a little bit about Facebook ads. I know a little bit about online marketing. I know, I know just enough to be able to hold up an intelligent conversation or, or understand the phrases that Russell is saying. I just don't know how to turn it into a business. Mm. because I see 7,000 opportunities in front of me and I know I've got to pick one and learn all about it and it's going to take time. Like they understand that it's going to take a little bit of time, but they they genuinely feel stuck as to what direction to take or even what next question to ask. Where would yeah. that person go? Like, what, is that, what does that person need to do? What book do they need to read? What question do they need to ask? What actions do they need to take? What, are, what should they be doing?
1: Yeah, I think um, pick one and take action because in the in the very very infancy of this game, you actually discover what your thing is through the actions you take. And so you like I tried stuff in the beginning that I did not like uh, but I only found it out when I tried it and didn't like it. so it's like it's like going to, um, asking Robbins and there's 31 flavors. You, you kind of just got to try all the ice creams in the very, very beginning and just say, I really don't fucking like chocolate. Right. right, right. Really, uh, Can I swear on this podcast? <laughs> uh, but, but I really, I really don't uh, like chocolate and I really, I really like strawberry. And so you start gravitating towards strawberry. And, and so, and my apologies. if I'm No, you're, no, you're good. You're fine. <laughs> but, um, but, you, you learn through actions in the beginning. So you have to just pick something, be confident in yourself to know that there are experts out there in landing pages and traffic and conversion and funnels and all this stuff. You can hire out all that stuff. In the beginning, you got to find something that, that fuels you and gives you energy. And the only way to do that that I know about is through action. And, and so you just got to try some stuff. I, I even told my, my 13 year old son is really into skateboarding right now. And he was going through this transition where he, he knew that baseball and football and basketball were not like, they weren't giving him energy and I could sense it And I said, and I kind of had this conversation. I just said, you know, it's okay to try a bunch of stuff right now. Like you're 13, yeah. <laughs> like, cause cause what was happening was everything he tried that he didn't like his mindset, he was saying, oh, I failed at that. Mm. I was like, no, you didn't fail at it. You tried something and discovered you didn't like it, or it didn't give you the energy to keep it going and build this kind of positive feedback back loop of momentum. And then he hit skateboarding one day and you could just like see the light bulb go off. He's like, I love this. Mm. And and. He he's at the skate park right now. He doesn't have to, I don't have to tell him to go practice. He does it in his garage. He's, and so that's what you want as a business owner. You want something that doesn't feel like work to you because you just enjoy it. And mm-hmm. I, 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 it took me a long time. It's taken me 15 years to get here, but I, I genuinely today, I love that feeling of watching somebody that's stuck and struggling. And I love watching them break through it. And, and so I just create my entire funnel, so to speak, is where I never feel like I'm selling anything and everything gives me energy. We do, we do complimentary reviews for business owners and we do reviews of their website and reviews of it. We do all that stuff for free so that we can just help people. And then we say, would you like a little more help? Maybe you just hop on a call with us and we get to know you a little bit better. And yeah. so that was when I cracked the code is when, when, my advertising and my funnel and all this other stuff was in alignment with something that always made me feel good. Because yeah. I was always trying these things like, maybe it's this little tripwire offer where it's seven bucks or 97 bucks or whatever. And and these tripwire offers, they still made me feel like I was, uh, I, I don't know if the word's like cold calling, but I still felt like I was always trying to get instead of just give. And when I flipped it to say, "Let me just give you a free re- free review or a complimentary review of the social media," I always felt good about it. And so that was a that was a huge thing for me when when the business took off was because how I generate leads, I also feel really good about
0: and I think that's I think that's important. You got to be in alignment with your true self. And I think to summarize what you said there, it's it's almost like, find the thing that even if you want to throw your head through a wall because you're so frustrated with, you still want to get up the next day and keep doing it, right? Yeah. And and, and that's the thing. I mean, you look at basketball players, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, or Rip, Kobe Bryant, um, but like, you know, Tom Brady with football and like things like that, like no matter if they would suck at it, no matter mm. if – like that was their life. they There was no other option. There was no other way – you, and when you have that, I mean, I think of me and I tried over and over and over again with so many different things. And then I came across podcasting and think different theory. And I'm like, I could have a terrible interview. And I wish some of you guys could see some of the interviews that I have done. And I'll get done with it. And I'll just like throw my headset off and be like, that ah! went so terribly. I can never air that episode. And I'll get up and then I'll sit down and be like, all right, let's schedule another interview. And it's like, I'm able to get through that. And even though it drives me insane some days, like, I'm not going to stop because I love doing it. And I think like what you're talking about there, it's got to have that feeling to it. And you just got to keep trying things until you find that.
1: And, and I think a big one for me, honestly, um, everybody needs that kind of one thing that is going to get you through the dark times. You know, mm-hmm. for me, I, uh, my kids were young and I had this was the story I told myself. It could be a lie, but it's the story I told myself for a long time, which is if I give up making this business work or making my entrepreneurial dream work, it shows my kids what it looks like to give up on your dreams. And that, that thought was so much more painful than actually quitting that I got me through all the dark times wow. because I was just, you know, I was not willing to show my kids what it looks like to live a settled life and just settle for the bank job and the, the gold watch and the 401k and be miserable doing it because I, that's where, that's where I was in the mortgage days. I was, I had a successful company, but I was miserable. I was in a cube, eighty hours a week, and <sighs> with employees and emails, and I just, you know, I didn't want that for my kids. And and so, if you can attach your meaning to something really that has a, a significant connection to you, uh, it'll get you through the tough times.
0: For sure, for sure. Well, Mike, this has been a phenomenal interview. I really appreciate you taking the time to to hop on here. Um, for the Before we wrap up here, I want to give you a chance real quick, and then we got some rapid-fire questions. Where can people find out more about you, what you do, what you offer, everything like that?
1: Yeah, the uh, themakeovermaster.com. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, they can find me there, and we do complimentary reviews for business owners that are stuck or struggling and can't figure out why.
0: Love it. Okay, so we're going to link, guys, we'll link that down below in the description so you can go and check that out. Uh, before we go to rapid-fire questions, Mike, what would be – like something that you want to leave the audience with? Like what's kind of your message to them all and basically be like, hey, here's what I have to leave you with here. Some last words per se of wisdom. Yeah, I think it,
1: it taps into one of your questions. You said something about um, I'm just starting out and I'm not really good at anything. I, I would say BS. You, there, Everybody's got a unique thing and and something that they can tap into. So I would just say that you're good enough. You know, it's kind of like the whole the uh, Stuart Smalley, you're good enough. You're smart enough. So God, it. you know, like decide what you want and go get it. You
0: know? Yep. 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 I'm going to move this out of the way. I would also say with that, read this book right here, psycho This book is mm. a freaking life-changing book for sure. Good book. Cool. All right. Rapid fire questions here before we wrap up. Um, what is a bucket list item that you have not yet done in your life?
1: I haven't been to Europe. I haven't, uh, I haven't been to Europe. I've been to Asia. I've been to Mexico and Colombia and all sorts of places, but never been to Europe. I I hear
0: flights are pretty cheap right now.
1: (laughs) They're a little bit discounted.
0: Yeah. A little bit. (laughs) Nice. All right. So, so go to Europe. Um, favorite airline to fly on when you fly
1: Singapore airlines. Really? Yeah. I've
0: never flown on them before. I'll have to check them out.
1: They are outstanding.
0: Good. Uh, you have a favorite sports car that you want to buy someday or like, are you a car guy at all?
1: You know, I want to, I want to get a Tesla. Um, I, I like them. Um, yeah. It's not, I, I'm very at this place in my life. I'm very much at the place where I don't get my energy from buying stuff. and yeah, Showing off in that sure. way. Um, so I'm not, but I do want to. Uh, all
0: right. So let, let me rephrase the question a little bit. If you were to go splurge on something and drop between 250 grand and a half a million bucks, whether it's a house or a car or something like that, like what would you go splurge on?
1: I would say house. I'd I'd buy a, a really like we we still live in a fairly small house um, and and we enjoy it. Um, but I think the next vision is probably some type of a compound where nice. Um, I've got separation from where I work out in the office and kind of I can stay away from the coronavirus at home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, two more questions for you. One: If you ever had the
0: chance to go to space, you get to come back. You're up there for like a week or whatever. Would you ever go to space? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, And then last question, fast forward to the end of your life. Everybody that you've influenced or impacted, like all your fame, all your success, all your money, it's all gone. But anybody that you've impacted or touched either directly or indirectly, you get to leave them with one final message. What is that message?
1: Decide what you want and figure out a way to go get it. Decide what
0: you want and figure out a way to go get it. I love it. Mike, thank you so much for coming on Think Different Theory. Guys, as always, hustle, hustle. God bless. Do not be afraid to think different because those of us that think different are gonna be the ones that change the world. I'll see you on the next episode. Take it easy, fam.